Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to On the Bright Line podcast, tales from recovering food addicts from the perspective of a physician, a therapist, and an off-the-wall storyteller. We are not affiliated or endorsed by Brightline Eating, and all content presented in this podcast represents our personal opinions and does not represent medical, nutritional, or psychological professional advice. We are going to cover many topics, but we'll be speaking directly from our journey using the Brightline Eating Solution by Susan Pierce Thompson. First, let me introduce Bonnie Olney Dio. Bonnie is a family medicine physician who ran a female-centric boutique practice for many years in Dallas, Texas. She was the first migrant of our crew to the Pacific Northwest and the trailblazer of our journey with Brightline Eating. Next, let me introduce Robin Powell, LCSW. She's a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the therapy of grief and loss. She completed the trifecta when she moved to the Pacific Northwest a little over a year ago. And finally, I, Megan McDonald, MSHC, uh, I have a master's in healthcare communication. I enjoy telling stories and using social media. Uh, you may find me on Instagram, TikTok, and the like. <laughs> so we're going to start off with Bonnie right now, and she's going to give you a little intro to herself and her journey. Bonnie? Well, hello. I am a family practice physician, as Megan said. I practiced for over 20 years in private practice um, in the later phases with a special attention to women's health and thyroid disease. Um, I definitely treated a lot of obesity in my practice and, you know, retrospectively realized that the advice I gave was actually not very helpful, given what I've learned now about bright line eating. Um, I moved to administrative role um, about eight years ago, and... Um, now sit a lot, which also um, affected my weight and health um, and was part of what helped bring me to Brightline Eating um, in the last few years. Um, I'm in my mid-50s. I have two grown children. I have uh, three grandchildren. Um, I have struggled with weight and body image all my life, um, and I come from a family with substance abuse and eating disorders of all kinds. So that's 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 the baseline of how I come into bright line eating. Awesome, Robin. Okay, I'm Robin Powell, licensed clinical social worker. I'm a psychotherapist in private practice, and I'm licensed in both uh, Texas and Washington. Um, I've known Bonnie since 1985, and I think I met Megan in like 2008. Ten. 2010. Sorry. Was it? Yes, it was. When when we were all um, uh, sharing working in an office together in, in Bonnie's office. Um, and I've probably always been interested in the psychology behind um, eating issues and food addiction. I come from a family that, you know, half of the family is super skinny and half of the family struggles with high blood pressure, being pre-diabetic, um, you know, weight and joint issues. And I think... I started working with clients um, that were struggling with, you know, anxiety, depression, but also eating issues, and they all wanted, you know, they wanted the magic, the magic cure, the magic bullet, you know, they wanted the, the, the magic diet that would fix it all, and through my work, um, I realized that that it's it's you know we all know what we should or shouldn't put in our mouth it's it's the it's why what why am i putting 
this stuff in my mouth. Um, and so I, I think that for me that, and, and watching, you know, Bonnie and Megan on their journey really helped me realize the, the, the power that this has to change lives for people. Yeah, completely agreed. So I have been overweight since puberty, uh, massively overweight the majority of my life. Uh, I think what I will admit is my highest is 326 pounds, but I know I was higher than that. I just probably won't admit to being higher than that. When I started the BLE journey, I was at 308. So that's kind of um, market where my my mark began for this journey. But um, I met Bonnie in 2000, probably 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. I was managing Starbucks and she was one of my customers. And she came in one day and she was really stressed out. And I was like, hey, Bonnie, what's going on? (laughs) She was like, my front desk is not going to be manned and I have patients today. And she was starting a brand new practice. And I had answered phones before and could be a friendly face. So I decided to um, offer my services and that's kind of how our relationship began. So uh, I managed Bonnie's practice for seven years and we uh, went on a health journey many times over together. Yes, we, we were Very exercise-based. Exercise-based yeah. um, health journey. We both did triathlon. Robin did triathlons with us too. We all did triathlons at one point. Um, and I think that that's... I, that's really what my focus was on was exercising the weight away, which never worked. It never worked. Um, currently where I am is about 85 pounds down. And this is almost the smallest that I ever was when we were doing triathlon and I was doing Mm -hmm. two a days. So that's pretty significant as far as this has been a completely different journey for me doing Brightline eating. And, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's where I'm at. Uh, just up and down. Um, I didn't. I didn't say that. Um, I'm. You know. I have two young children, so I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh, so, being a young mom, obviously struggling with your weight is pretty common, a common thread amongst um, amongst a lot of young moms. And finding time to be a mom, worry about your health, and all that kind of stuff is definitely a perspective that I can bring um, into this conversation. So, I don't know. Did we miss anything on our introductions as far as how we come to this? We've known each other, Bonnie and Robin have known each other a lot longer, but I came to the picture 2009, 2010, so we've all known each other for about that long. So we started in Dallas, Texas, and now we all live in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, we do. Happily. So uh, the other thing that we were going to talk about is uh, the susceptibility scale and um, where you rate on the susceptibility scale if you've taken the quiz. So I, uh, the susceptibility scale, just for those who might not know Mm -hmm. about Brightline Eating, and I'll just tell you, um, Brightline Eating is a trademarked program um, started by Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson. BrightlineEating.com. There you go. BrightlineEating.com if you want to find out more information. Again, we don't, um, we are not endorsed by them nor endorse them, but um, this is the program we're following. So if you want more information about that, there's a book, there's a website. It's awesome. Um, but within that, Susan Pierce Thompson uh, created a susceptibility scale, which basically assesses how susceptible you are to food addiction. And um, I, I, there's a, a 1 to 10 scale, and I rate a 10. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because Megan discussed that she's come from really what we call coming from large numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been in very large numbers. Um, the most that I've lost, and, and I'm now in maintenance on Brightline Eating, is about 75 pounds. 
Um, so compared to what Megan has dealt with, not so much. But my food thoughts and oh, my wait. food obsession. 75 pounds is significant. It's, Let's yes. not oh, it's not minimize it's, it's not 10. No, no, for 75 sure. 75 pounds is significant. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, my, my addiction to food um, manifested with just constant food chatter, constant food thoughts. Yeah. I now work from home sitting at the computer and I would just get up every hour and have a snack. <laughs> and you know, even if they were really tiny snacks, um, eventually those snacks added up to quite a few calories. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So when I took the susceptibility scale, I came out at a 10. Um, and that really means that, um, I have a severe food addiction and it's not going to be controlled by just controlling portions. I actually went and saw a therapist before I learned about bright line eating. And um, one of the main concerns I had when I went to the therapist was I keep getting up and getting snacks. I don't want to be doing that. I know it's not good for me and I don't know how to stop. And all she could say was, huh, why do you think you're doing that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's, That's why, why, I'm, why here. I'm here. Like, so tools, <laughs> And the reality is most people don't understand the food addiction because we all eat food. And so it seems yeah. like that's not something you could be addicted to. And this is obviously something the therapist had not been exposed to. And again, as a physician, I had not been, ex been exposed to that. And I kind of cringe now when I think about all the patients that I supported by telling them what kinds of food to eat, cut your mm -hmm. carbs, keep your carbs to this amount, count your calories, exercise. These were things I was taught in medical school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for somebody who's a 10 on the susceptibility scale, these things don't work. This is like yeah. telling an alcoholic, hey, you know what you need to do is just drink one drink a day. Right. And that's right. going to really help control fine. your alcoholism. Right. And, you know, it really doesn't. So, yeah. So I'm a 10. And, I, and, and what we know is that I will always be a 10, right? So I'm not having mm -hmm. food thoughts all the time now that I'm in maintenance. But I know that if I begin eating sugar and flour again, I will revert right back to that behavior pattern. Have you taken this acceptability? I have. It's been a while. I think I'm like a two. Of and course. Robin's right. a two, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no. Sorry for being a two. I have to apologize now. <laughs> um, but for, for me, I know when stress hits my life, right, that's when that food chatter comes in of, I deserve a treat. This will comfort me. This will make me feel better. Um, and even though all the research shows that food actually does nothing to change your mood, which nobody wants to hear every time I tell my clients that they absolutely hate me for sharing that little detail um, but but it's become so indoctrinated in our society the yeah. way we view food as equaling comfort soothing something we deserve <laughs> as opposed to something that keeps us alive I yeah. believe there's a fast food burger chain who had you deserve a break today right. as their I, mantra. I think, we'll not mention that. I think that you're one. correct. <laughs> I think yes. you are. Yeah, correct. I think the media really promotes um, and encourages us to use food and alcohol to comfort ourselves. Exactly. Um, and it's it's definitely indoctrinated into us from an early age. Sure, because it's quick, it's easy. I mean, how many times as a kid, I you know, I can think of a million times that my mom said, "Oh, well, you did, you got an A on the test. Have a cookie." Yeah. Oh, you had a bad day. Have a cookie. Right, and it just becomes part of our culture and our language of, um, you know, en enabling each other. Right? Yeah. Oh, you look. You, oh, you don't need to lose any weight. Go ahead. Oh, come on, live a little. Yep. So I am a nine. I'm probably a ten, but you know, I when I took <laughs> it, I I scored nine. <laughs> and I think that mine uh, has always been that 
food was a comfort, but it was also a reward. And it's yeah. really interesting because my parents now have both read and joined the Bright Line Eating movement and have both lost all their excess weight, which is wonderful and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming from a family that was not severely overweight, me being the only one that was overweight, I never really understood why me? You know, there was always that feeling of like, why me? Why am I the only one? Uh, why am I different? Why am I different than mm-hmm. them? Absolutely. But also just that my mom's love language is food. And she asked me, she's like, did we contribute to this? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think that because your love language is food, you were speaking to me in the language right. that you, and she still, she has a food blog guys. Like this is her mm-hmm. love language. Mm-hmm. She loves to cook. She loves to, you know, she loves to be able to serve people in that way. And so I think that she did what she knew she, what, what she did, what she could do with the things that she knew how to do when, um, I was growing up and because of, you know, who I was and, you know, trauma and all that kind of stuff, I used food mm-hmm. for comfort and that's, and it just got, you know, obviously out of control as I've been overweight for the majority of my life. So I think for me, it's funny because I don't identify as much with, I, I do, I do think that I'm a food addict as far as like the foods that I crave. I've never, um, I've never had like binge, like what I consider like binging problems, right. which I, I, there's a lot of people that do. It's just not something I've ever experienced. It was more just, a eating the wrong kinds of foods in larger quantities, um, that, that was what kept me overweight for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that your mom, her love language is food, and that's your yeah. connection with right. your weight, where my mom worried about our yeah. weight because she had an eating disorder yeah. of being concerned about her weight and shared that with us from a very early age. As a toddler, our thighs were too fat. Our, right. you know, If right. you could put your knees together and couldn't see light between your thighs, you were overweight. And I remember at like seven or eight putting my knees together and thinking, Oh, I'm already overweight, you know? And so she was very restricting in our food, not to be mean or cruel, but she was terrified. Our father was overweight. She was terrified that we were going to become overweight, which for her was just the worst thing. Yeah. And so in the restrictive environment that I grew up in, I did binge. I never purged or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I know that's a problem for many people uh, with similar upbringing, but I definitely binged. I hid the binges. I mean, my most famous experience mm-hmm. was I was selling the chocolate bars for the softball team, oh, and I got right. 50 chocolate bars, <laughs> and I was supposed to sell them, and I put them in the bottom drawer of my dresser, and every night I ate three or four, Right. and so pretty quickly I'd eaten them all, and I right. had to go to my mother and ask for $50, which right. back in the 80s was a lot of money, yeah. and so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's interesting, right, that we both kind of come to that, but from, you know, when, when our parents might ask, oh my gosh, did I do this? this to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it just happens and it's culturally probably in every family there are, there is weirdness about food. And so, I mean, they did the best they could. Right. And, and I for think, the right reasons. Right. Yes. And I think yeah. there's a larger discussion about addiction here that yeah. it's, mm-hmm. that yes. if, if you are prone to addiction in general, um, because I do identify as a food addict, as I know you do as well, yeah. Bonnie, like mm-hmm. there's, there's being prone to addiction that yeah. is genetic, right? Absolutely. Like it's something, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional, but mm-hmm. I think that there is evidence that Absolutely. Uh, people are prone to addiction and that sure. it just, you know, it can be food, it can be alcohol, it can be drugs, yeah. it can shopping, be, you know, sex. yeah, shopping, sex, yeah. whatever. It can yeah. be all those yeah. things. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't fault my parents. I don't, I don't blame them. I, I appreciate them being on this journey with me and, yeah. um, being supportive. They've always been supportive. I will also say that I know lots of people have horrible stories about the way that their parents treated them as a child mm-hmm. being overweight. My parents never treated me any differently. And I really appreciate that. They were yeah. always very encouraging and supportive. So 
Uh, any more thoughts on? Okay. So I think our next topic is yeah. how did you find, how did you find out, out about, about BLE? Yeah. Sorry, Bonnie, because mm-hmm. you started the movement between our group, so I want to know how you yes. came, how you found out about BLE. I yeah, like so my sister and I both struggle with weight, and um, I remember uh, uh, it's been over two years now that my sister sent me a food freedom video, which are some videos that Dr. Thompson sends out um, to kind of introduce people to what bright line eating is. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the video and thinking, this kind of makes sense to me as a physician, but mm-hmm. like, man, I could never give up sugar and alcohol, like right. hard no for me, but right. yeah, you go do that. That would be so great for you so to do great that. For other people. <laughs> right. for other people. And then she, my sister started on that, on the program. And so I went and got the book and I read mm-hmm. the book and I just had like so many aha moments as yeah. a physician, as a scientist with my understanding of the brain of biochemistry it, it really hit me in every way. You know, I had been to that therapist to ask, why am I snacking? Yeah. She couldn't give me an answer. And this book was like, gave me the exact answer. Mm-hmm. Why the addictive pathways in my brain were leading me to a subconscious need to come back to those snacks, even though my frontal lobe was saying, this is not good for you. You don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I understood, you know, especially having taken care of patients with alcoholism and drug addiction, I can totally understand. And I empathized with those people understanding, you know, uh, patients that say they take cocaine for the first time and that's all they think about because of the way their brain um, handles that addiction. Right. And it finally connected with me that that's what was happening in my brain with food. And I was just able to come to a point of acceptance that if I could if I could embark on a program to remove sugar, flour, and honestly alcohol from my system, Mm -hmm. that I could possibly be free of those obsessive addictive thoughts after I went through a period of withdrawal, um, which is what happened. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so grateful that I, I don't know, took that leap of faith or whatever, but I think it's because the science, I needed to understand the why. I mean, we've all been on a million different diets. Um, you know, every book that promises if you just, you know, you eat the cabbage for a week and then drink right. the grapefruit juice. I don't know. You'll you know what fine. I mean? Like, right. whatever. Yeah. Like there's all these diets. Like if you just do this, Magic. it'll be great. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know as a physician, a scientist, right, that there's a 99% recidivism rate of all diet programs. Wait, wait. Yeah. Recidivism? recidivism? What does that mean? Relapse. Okay. Relapse. Yeah. Meaning 99% of people that go on any kind of diet mm-hmm. across the board from Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, you know, whatever, they're all good programs. They all help control calories. There's nothing bad about them, but people aren't able to sustain them. And now I understand, and I understood after reading the book and watching that video, right, that the reason is because their brain's addicted. And so it's actually kind of amazing that people stay on these diets as long as they do, because it takes incredible willpower, again, to just, you know, white knuckle it through an addiction and just, you know, avoid things. And especially because food is something we have to eat every day, right. To sustain ourselves. I mean, it's kind of like if you were, you know, if you're an alcoholic and then you just had to live in a bar all day and you needed to drink once a day or three times a day, but not drink excessively. I mean, who could do that if you were an alcoholic? Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So for me, that's how I came to it. I mean, I just, the science, I mean, I had to have the why some people just like say, just tell me what to do and I'll do it for me. I, I need to know the why. Okay. The science behind Ramen. Um, I loved watching Bonnie go on that BLE journey. And I can remember some of those early conversations where you were, where it was really starting to click for you. And I am also a why person. You know, I started out as a, as a science major. And so the, the why 
the science behind it is really important to me. And when I had, um, I had a really nasty surgery that I had some medical complications with and couldn't, couldn't exercise, couldn't move, could barely even walk across the room. And so of course food kind of became a comfort to me and I put on about 35 pounds and being willing to change how I was eating and change my relationship with food was the only way that I was able to let go of that weight, right? And and starting to make peace with with my why, with my chatter of, you know, what what I had been using to comfort myself at a time when everything that I used to use to comfort myself was was gone. So Bonnie and Clay Bonnie's husband is Clay, just so everyone knows. Mm -hmm. He's the man in the booth. (laughs) We started doing BLE, and they told me about it, and I was like, y'all are nuts. (laughs) Actually, my first thought was, oh, this is another thing that Bonnie's doing. (laughs) Because we had been through many things together. So I was like, oh, Bonnie's doing another diet. Okay, we'll Mm -hmm. see how long this lasts. Mm -hmm. And when she told me what... Let me interrupt. I did. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, one of the things I did was the juicing, which is hilarious. Yes, yes, we juiced all of our food. Yes, I remember the juicing. (laughs) Which is loaded with sugar. So so horrible. (laughs) Anyway, so we we so because we've known each other for a while and we've been on this weight journey together, it was like, okay, here's another thing, just another thing that she's doing. And and it was in in my mind, I said, nope, too restrictive, can't do it. No way. So we actually went, uh, the three of us went on a trip to, uh, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, I, I said, okay, let's, I'll see it. Like, like, let, let me see it in action. Right. I don't know that I even told you this, that oh. have I told you? No, 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 no. I just was like, let me see it in action. And I watched the way you, that you ate that weekend oh, that when yeah. we were away mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, it's not that she's not eating, you know? And yeah, I still wanted right. to have my food like that weekend. Cause I was not ready at that point to do it. Um, I was like, I still wanted to have my food and have my fun and my, you know, right. my alcohol that we were, you right. know, I wanted those things, Yeah. but I saw what you were doing and I realized that, okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Right. So the, yeah. <laughs> the catalyst for me was at the end of November of tw- last year, 2022, I got some horrible lab results back and being, I'm 42 now. I didn't say how old I am, but I'm 42 now. And I was 41 at the time thinking I have little kids and knowing how bad the labs were. I was like, I'm going to die and I'm not yeah. going to survive to see my kids grow up and get married and all this kind of stuff if I don't change my life. And so that was really just kind of scared me, <laughs> scared me straight. <laughs> um, and so thankfully, you know, at that point I had already kind of been introduced by you to it and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think I read the book in like a weekend cause I had started the book and I was like, no, this is weird. Like, I'm not going to do this. But then like, I read the book in a weekend and then like, I was like, today's my day one. And I just, you know, I did yeah. it. And so, uh, that's how I came to it. But it was very reluctantly. Cause I at first was like, mm-hmm. there's no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. That's I, I remember coming and staying up here when I first got to Washington and I remember thinking, oh, like I'm going to be, I'm going to be so hungry eating the way Bonnie and Clay eat, you know, and I was staying with them for two weeks and I was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm not at all hungry. And that absolutely shocked me. Yeah. The vegetable volume, and we'll talk a lot more yeah, as right. we go through some right. podcasts, right? But the vegetable volume is, is like so crazy. I mean, I never, I never ate vegetables and you know how parents are supposed to make their kids eat vegetables. I didn't because we didn't, I mean, we just didn't, we had a meat and a starch and and a bread. I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much food. It is so much food. Um, 
it's just so much healthy food. It's a whole different yeah. You know, yeah. thing. For sure. Yeah. So last topic that we're going to talk about today is um, what's your current relationship with BLE? Where are you at today? So I've been in maintenance since... Um, I've been in maintenance since February of last year, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, not counting your days, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Um, I was a very slow loser. I know, Megan, you've lost weight much more rapidly on the program. And I, I'm short, just you guys can't see on the, mm -hmm. you know, on the, through the microphone, but I'm only five foot one and a half. So I'm, you know, when you're a little tinier, you just really actually don't need as many calories, which is kind of a bummer because um, <laughs> on the program, once you reach maintenance, you're supposed to be able to do some ads. And I really wasn't able to add very much, which just made me sad, <laughs> but I have made peace with that. Um, I still struggle a little bit with my quantities when I get stressed. I have not broken my lines um, directly with, you know, alcohol or uh, flour or sugar. I definitely have had some out-to-eat experiences where probably there's a sugar in a sauce, but I don't, you know, obviously haven't had sweets or any of those kind of things. Some people are able to experiment with adding some of those things. My husband, Clay, has been able to, on occasion, like once a year, have something you know, an actual sweet, and it just literally doesn't derail him at all. Because I am a 10, I know that if I have some real sugar, it's going to put me right back on that path, and I, I just know that I can't do that. Um, I remember when I was early in the program and I thought, I mean, I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I'm going to say a daily drink was a big part of my stress-relieving life in such an unhealthy way. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, well, when I'm at maintenance, I mean, I'm going to have I'm going to have some drinks every now and then because I'll be able to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember and, uh, on our trip you saying that. You're yeah, like, like, I oh. might have drinks. Yeah, I might. Yeah, yeah, I might. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that was just a little wishful thinking or denial or whatever. But what's so interesting is I really don't crave those things anymore. I don't have food. I could be in the middle of a – I went to a place with a specialty donut shop and – Literally, the whole place was filled with beautifully decorated and amazingly delicious-looking donuts, and it did not even smell like a food place for me, mm -hmm. which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful. I am so eternally grateful that my food chatter is down. Um, it's been life-changing, and aside from the weight loss and the improved health and the decreased pain and all the things that came with losing that weight and changing my food... Um, I would say I feel really great to be in maintenance, but I still need to be pretty vigilant because I'm still a 10. And again, I just went through a very stressful life experience last week, and I definitely ooched on my quantities, um, uh, took a little bit more than my weighted food, and stopped weighing myself subconsciously because I didn't mm -hmm. want to know what the consequence was. So I think um, the maintenance journey is a continued <clears throat> project. It's not like my fantasies of losing weight or being on a diet through my whole life. If you just get to this poundage, right. if I guess you if get I weigh this amount, number. everything's going to be great. My life will be perfect. Mm -hmm. Nope, it's just the same thing. You get to maintenance, and then you just keep working the program. Yeah. So, I think that's a great way of, of saying it. Right, is that you learn the skills, but you have to accept that when the bumps in life happen, and they will always happen that you have to have um, a plan to manage those bumps. And to me, that's what BLE provides. It provides that structure, um, the accountability, the community to help navigate those, it, that it's not, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not, you know, on this journey alone, that it is 
it is a, a sh it can be a shared experience that I think is something that a lot of people have never had. And for me, that's what having, you know, you guys on the program has helped provide me that, that community to, I can remember being somewhere and like calling you on the phone and going, I'm, I'm sitting in the parking lot of a restaurant and I need you to talk me down off the ledge <laughs> and tell me why, remind me why I don't want to eat this. I said I didn't want to eat this, right? Um, and so for me, that's, I think that's the beauty of, you know, not just the BLE stuff, but of the, you know, the community that, yeah. that mm -hmm. we have together. Yeah, I think, and I think accountability is huge. Uh, I will say that that's probably one of the reasons why I have been as successful with this program. Other than there is a lot of science behind why yeah. totally abstaining from sugar and flour makes sense and does heal your brain um, as far as from an addiction perspective. Um, I, I, so back to the question, which is where am I at today with BLE? So I started BLE uh, November 30th of 2022. And uh, I have now been bright for 215 days, something wow. like that now. Yep. Uh, I've kept all my lines. Uh, the term crystal vase is what the community uses for people who have kept their lines during, you know, for, you know, since they started. So, um, I'm definitely proud of that, but I also am in the place of realization of like life is going to get lifey at some point, <laughs> you know, and that, you know, things might change and that, I mean, I, I may never, you know, I, I, perfection isn't necessarily the goal. That's not what the goal is. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I started, um, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of unusual, like Bonnie and I have talked about this, that I have like literally beginning labs, like labs that I like got just at the, at the very start of my journey. And then I've had them at three month intervals um, in between. And we'll talk about that more mm -hmm. later, but that everything has, uh, there's been market improvement. I think that that's probably an understatement. It's been pretty, pretty miraculous and significant, the improvement that I've had. Yeah. Um, obviously I've lost a significant amount of weight. Um, 85 pounds is a lot of weight, but I have, um, you know, I have a goal range. And so I'm about halfway there, um, maybe a little less now and maybe a little over halfway there, which is exciting. Uh, and I, but I think that to me, it's not even now it's like, it's not necessarily about the number on the scale. It's about my health and like feeling lovely most days and having the energy to be active. And, uh, that's what I, currently I'm enjoying about BLE and I will say accountability, accountability and community is such a huge part of this, um, of this program. And that not that you can't do it without, I think you can buy the book, get the book from the library. You know, you don't have to be part of the membership quote unquote yeah. to be successful. But I think that that is a huge piece of it is finding a community that you can be accountable to and, um, you know, living this life. And, and I think that, having the connection and people that understand what you're going through is also, you know, a huge important, um, part of this program. So, uh, I will say that. And I think that for today, that's all that we're going to talk about. There so we go. stay tuned, uh, many more episodes to come, many more topics to come. Um, but we hope you guys enjoyed, uh, our discussion today.